You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The JFC has closed its doors for another day, so it's time for the five o'clock shadow. And as always on a Thursday, it's the doubleheader Dream Team edition. David Shapiro is always in residence. He's from Sassman Securities. And with him today is Viv Govender from Rand Swiss, Rand Swiss, both in Johannesburg. Now then... As I was saying to Viv earlier, David, I, um, I, I I had a couple of things to do this afternoon. I was out for about two hours or so. And when I left, the JSE was down well over a percent. And suddenly, uh, it's up well over a percent. Viv, all to do with inflation, isn't it? Uh, yes. I remember it's the, uh, the main driver this year has been, besides the Ukraine-Russia thing, uh, the uh, inflation and the response by central banks of raising interest rates. Uh, the Federal Reserve has been the most aggressive by far, and they were set to basically raise rates again come the next quarter, next period. Uh, this kind of gives them the excuse that they were basically looking for not to do it as aggressively as they were, uh, and actually maybe even downgrading it if you get a couple more numbers like this. They aren't going to be looking at just a single number, of course, but they'll want to look at a trend. Uh, just to give you an idea what came through, we had the overall inflation number at about 77 Expected was 7.9. We also saw the core inflation was also uh, lower than expected. Uh, and, th- and there's some factors here that I think are going to be running for quite some time, especially uh, the medical uh, inflation. Uh, the U.S. inflation number is calculated, if you don't, want, don't mind me getting into a little bit of uh, you know, boring do. technicality here. Go ahead. Okay? So the US, the U.S. inflation number is calculated, and you would never guess how, by looking at the difference between the amount of premiums collected and the amount of money spent by uh, the uh, the insurance brokers, basically, uh, the insurance companies. Uh, that That is kind of like what they're looking at. And those numbers take a long time to, to calibrate, to get together. And when you do actually have uh, those numbers coming into play, often you have like a year lag on it. So we pretty much know what the number is going to be for the next year for medical in, uh, inflation in the U.S. And the surprise, surprise, it's actually going to be lower than the previous year. So just based on the change in medical insurance alone, or medical costs, inflation, so the medical inflation alone, uh, we're looking at almost a 1% swing from positive to negative based on medical uh, inflation. So everything else equal, that alone would have accounted for 1% drop in inflation over the next year. Uh, so with that, that's going to be a, a headwind to inflation or high inflation for quite some time. And I think that's something that we should be expecting to help us for the foreseeable future. Yeah, it's, just, it's very interesting. Is it, David, it used to be the non-farm payrolls number, which is still very important, but that used to be the one that everybody waited for, end of the month, you know, first Friday um, of the of the new calendar month. Uh, but now it, it, it's CPI. 7.7% is still high, but on the other uh, hand, a big uh. fall from 82 And what was the peak in American inflation, David? Do you remember it was, it was over 9%? It might have been. I, I'm not sure the exact amount, but I mean, it was uh, it was closer to nine. I think maybe eight point nine, if I recall. Yeah. But I think I I, I think the point is that uh, market was expecting seven point nine. We were expecting it. Even reading headlines this morning, uh, there's you know you've got a lot of doomsayers out there and a lot of negative people. Mm. And I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm not saying they're wrong for any minute. But I mean they were all expecting another high reading. So the fact that this came in lower than expected and significantly lower than the market was expecting uh, just sent U.S. markets skyrocketing. And I have never seen anything like this in U.S. markets. We're talking about the U.S. where, um, just to give you an idea how the markets are responding, because the Nasdaq is over 5.6, it's 5.6% higher. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. That's massive. It's 5.6% 
6% higher. So that's the kind of uh, reaction that it's caused. The S&P is 4%. Um, I remember when, when, when the uh, market went up on Friday, I think our market last Friday, 5%. I've never seen a one day like that. You know, I've seen uh, consecutive days where, or a week where the markets might have been 5 6 7%. But to get a market up like this on one day is quite extraordinary. And there's what happens, though, Lindsay, is the short, you get short covering because it starts to trigger reaction. Uh, once you get a move like that, the bears get a little frightened. They come in, start covering, and so on. So uh, a lot of it is driven by that because this market has been enormously uh, short, you know, and uh, very, very strong short positions in the market. So, you know, uh, enjoy it while you can. It's lovely to see this thing on the screen, you know, these kind of numbers. Yeah. Where the next move is is probably the next data point, you know. But but just just to be a little more optimistic, I think that what this does show, even though there's going to be a lot of bearish comment and worry about it, it's, it's kind of the start of a, a negative or a deflationary trend, you know. We're starting to see it now gather a bit of momentum, and I think the market's going to like that. And sorry for 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 taking up too much time. No, you're not, Go Lindsay. On. There on the bonds. Are this, I know. This is, I'm looking at it now. Senior is down 22 points. It's down 27 points on my screen to 3.87, yeah. six and a half percent down. The South African yeah. 10-year yeah. bond yield yeah. in the 1020s. Yeah. The rand yeah. Is, uh, is, is is soaring. The U.S. dollar, yeah. uh, euro dollar, yeah. like 101.60 or something, whereas it was 97, 98. Mm. Not that long ago, a couple of weeks ago. I wonder if this is the change in it. If you're, you're a long-term investor as well, but you're very studious and also have a sort of a trading mm. leaning as, as well. Do you, do you think this could be the sort of thing that says that was the day that the market turned? It didn't make a V-shaped recovery. But Viv, do you think that this type of number and this type of, type of market reaction has scared the bears away potentially? Uh, hopefully, but we remember this is just one data point. And we are going to get some other things coming to play, especially around... Uh, Called the gasoline uh, petrol prices, basically. Uh, the reason being is that uh, Biden was pushing uh, real large numbers of extraction, a, a large uh, withdrawals rather from the strategic petroleum reserves, the SPRs, and that's going to end reasonably soon. So the uh, U.S. government is effectively going to be from a net seller of I think five million barrels a week to whatever uh, it's a net buyer of whatever amount they, they're talking about, and they also said they're going to basically put a floor on the. Yes, on the on the oil prices at around say sixty five to seventy dollars a barrel of West Texas intermediary, uh, with regards to basically whenever it goes to that point, they're going to start buying to try and replenish uh, the oil that they've taken out. Uh, so I think that's one thing. And the next thing, of course, is the European winter. Uh, you know, fingers crossed, it's a it's a warmish winter, and then we get out of this thing with, with some stability. But should it be a cold winter? Uh, we'll find that the European countries will be forced to direct all the energy towards heating homes as opposed to running factories and other things. And that will obviously cause supply chain issues down the line. Well, I can tell you something, Viv, that in London tomorrow, um, the uh, temperature, and that will be November the 11th, so mid-November. You know, I mean, we're in winter now, 18 degrees tomorrow. Uh, and, and, that's, and that's across the board. I mean, Barcelona, 21 degrees, Bordeaux, 19 degrees. I watched this thing. And I'm quite disturbed by it. All the birds in my garden are very confused and all the flowers are very confused as well about what, what's going on. I don't know. There's yeah, some strange things happening. 
Um, I was no. going to talk a little bit, a bit about AVI, David, because I know you've liked the company, etc. Mm. Just a quick one. The chairman has a statement mm. talking mm. about prevailing market conditions for consumers. Nothing too dramatic and the share price going up. But um, it was interesting. There's still a note of caution there in South Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, this is at the AGM. So this is at the annual general meeting. It's not a results presentation. No. But he reflects on where things are now. The one thing dragging this company back is INJ. It's been part of it's been part of ABI for generations. I mean, for a huge, for a long time. This is this is INJ fish, and you know it's just out of line with the rest of their products. Uh, this is a superb manufacturer, great brands and everything. But when you've got a very basic commodity like fish, you know, number one, you've got to get the licenses. Number two, you've got to find the right weather. Number three, you've got to put diesel in the, in the, in, in, in these little boats that go out. So there are a lot of issues around it. Then you can't find the fish, you know, and things like that. So it's always been one of the areas that has either pushed it up because maybe prices are up or pulled it down. So it's, it's, it's our, everybody's wish that they would actually, um, you know, un- unbundle it and, uh, concentrate on, on what is a very good array of brands, which, which, for strange reasons, you've got fish and you've got shoes. Fish and shoes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I never understood it. And what was the CEO who made who made it all work? I mean, it, it seems the most implausible ah, portfolio. Yeah. What was his name? He was very, very oh, good. No. And you always admired yeah. him, but you've Simon, obviously forgotten. Simon, Simon Crutchley? That's him, yes. Was it Crutchley? Exactly right. Might still be. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah I think you're absolutely yeah. right. Uh, multi-choice. Just quickly stay with you, David. Multi-choice, they came out with their results uh, for the period ended. Uh, they're in Trims uh, to the end of September, share price up two and three quarters percent. We know the story there. There's a put option in place. Sure. Look, it's still a troubled company. I mean, there's still issues. I haven't looked at it for a long time, to be honest. uh, But um, it's it's content and it's the cost of that content. And it's also trying to, you you know, it's, it's, it's trying to get viewers and you've got to get the right kind of bundles. But uh, I've got to go through that in, in a little more detail. So sorry to sidestep it like that. Mm. But um, it's, it's, I, I haven't got any great feel for it or uh, what's the word, affinity to it. Yeah. But um, I like to go through results and I like to see what's happening in markets when I've got time. Unfortunately, I had one. I, I, I had a funeral today, sadly. Oh, Not no. an I'm old sorry, lady, David. a lovely old lady. Yeah. So it just, no, no, it's, it's, uh, it's people get old, and sadly, this lady she had, she had a very full life, wonderful old uh, woman. She was playing bowls up to a week ago, uh, even though she had cancer. So, you know, it's but that's it just occupied <laughs> a couple of hours. No need to no need to uh, apologise about not looking at multi choice. <laughs> trust me on that one. Um, we have to talk about a couple of international things that have caught everyone's yeah. attention. I am looking at Bitcoin now at seventeen thousand eight hundred and twenty-seven. Yeah. Yeah. Up a percent, so it's reversed like most other risk assets have reversed to the upside today. But Viv, cryptocurrencies, I, 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 I'm like David in this regard. He knows more about it than me, but he doesn't know enough about <laughs> it to be confident enough to say, okay, yeah, I like this story. I like this other currency, uh, even though it's fallen 75% in almost exactly a year. But I don't understand it, so I leave it alone. All I know is that people have been ripped off over the, over the years with this thing because of unscrupulous operators. 
And when you see some a platform not going in for another platform and an right. unregulated market, I just think that any rally should be sold into. Viv, are you a crypto fan? I'm not actually. The reason being is, is quite simple. The lack of regulation around the industry has made a lot of uh, of scams. I mean, you, 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 David, you know, you go to yeah. a normal financial yeah. presentation, the kind of people there are boring, you know, accountant types. The kind mm. of people you see at kind of crypto things are more like flashy mm. hustler kind of people. And and uh, they often are salespeople that are selling things they don't understand properly. Uh, you know, the the whole you know thing about NFTs mm. and the whole thing about uh, you know these 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 uh, these initial coin offerings and so on, they were ridiculous. I mean, uh, I heard a story for Valerie Buterin. He's basically the um, guy that invented Ethereum, right? And he says he keeps on being given all these coins for free, and, in, and not like a small amount, like billions of nominal value, just being given to him for free. Why? Because they can see if he's uh, if Italy have, owns these these particular coins, then his mm. aura of respectability goes to the rest mm. of the coins and become valuable. Elon Musk makes a joke about dogs, a Dogecoin, and suddenly that's worth billions. I mean, when things are working like this, it's, it's pretty obvious it's a, it's a bubble. Uh, it doesn't take a genius to realize that. Mm. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. Um, I, I, you, know, you, know, you know what? The one thing about the JSE, and I have, I have the same fear about alternative, the other stock exchanges in South Africa, and not I, you know, uh, I, I don't want to be seen as being a prophet of doom or cautious and that. But the one thing about the JSC, it's been in existence since 1887. <laughs> and you know that if you buy something there, the stock exchange will guarantee deliver delivery. Yes. If you buy it through the JSC and likewise, most global markets, you know that you're going to get delivery. What's brought, what's brought um, the market down at the moment this particularly Brad, what is his name? Freed or whatever his name is, was a supposedly yeah, something Yeah, so yeah. he so he was supposedly worth I don't know fifteen billion dollars two weeks ago. He's worth nothing now if this thing goes insolvent. Mm-hmm. The problem is that there's no there's no liquidity in that market, and for a market to function, for a platform to function, you have to have liquidity. In other words, when a person sells, you want to be able to sell, and when you want to buy, you want to be able to buy. And and obviously they've been caught in the middle with uh, in a in a liquidity squeeze, and one day we'll go through you know what this actually means or how stock exchange functions. You know there could be. You remember last year with Robin Hood, there was a mismatch between settlements which nearly blew them. Yeah. You know, uh, so by the time you know you, you know you might sell something, but by the time you collect the money, uh, you've got to pay the seller, and then by the time you collect the money from the buyer. Uh, you're in trouble. And so, they're highly regulated yeah. as well, David, and you bemoan the fact that yes. you have to do yes. so many things in order to open an yes. account. But in this case, actually, mm-hmm. it's a very good thing. So the JSC yeah. is very, very, um, has, has very strong links with the London Stock Exchange, the FTSE. Um, yeah. And is, as you say, it's an august institution since the late yeah. 19th yeah. century. Who guarantees the trade, though? Let's say that something went wrong. Is it the clearinghouse, as it would be in the futures market? Yes. Or is it, the, um, is it an insurance company? Does it have a, a special insurance spread amongst all the, the big houses? How does it work, David? All of the above. Hmm. All of the above. In other words, you, you've got policies that, that, um, you know, that cover you. You have to put up guarantees, and uh, they monitor your financial position uh, extensively. Right. So they're constantly looking. 
at your at your trading situations. And if positions get out of hand, they're on to you straight away. So uh, it's like a banking institution. You know, the bank, one of the things about the South African banking institutions, our financial institutions, they have been incredibly strict, you know, in, in, in observing or monitoring banks. Uh, so I, th- I think you need, you feel secure when you've got an organization like that behind it. And credit to our stock exchange. You yes. know, I can't fault them on that in that respect. And that's why, I, you, you, you know, I, I'm, I'm always worried about some of these CD brokers and, you know, chaps on the peripheral or just chaps on the fringe. Stay away, you know, just, you know, because uh, the advertising is easier, but you've got to understand that they've got to guarantee when you buy something, they've got to make sure that you actually get it. And that applies to like over the, you know, I'm going on a bit here, but that applies to like over the counter deals as well. There's no guarantee that the person from whom you bought will actually deliver. So I'll, I only go through a recognized exchange. I would only do deals through a recognized exchange. Correct. Right. Clients, you know. Okay, yes, good, good advice. Okay, I'm going to have a look at some, um, some prices now, um, which are very, very different to where they were three hours ago. Let me tell you. <laughs> the dollar rand is 17.46. The British pound against the rand is 20.34. Euro Rand is 1771. Euro dollar 101.45. Uh, British pound has vaulted its way to 116.50 against the US dollar. That's the cable. Um, we'll come to the international indices in a moment, with whichever one of you has the uh, the best screen. But the gold price is doing quite nicely, thank you. 17.47, up a couple of dollars. Uh, sorry, a couple of percent. Platinum up $67 or nearly 7% to $1047 an ounce. And palladium up 3.7% or $69 to $1925. So all commodities suddenly loving the weaker US dollar, which they haven't seen for quite a while. Even oil is up a little bit here. $86.33 up 0.6%. Brent crude, that's the West Texas. Uh, Brent crude is $93.25, which is up two thirds of a percent. Natural gas prices up two and a half percent. Copper up three and a quarter. Silver up three and a half. Um, what else? Uh, they're closed at the moment, but uh, tomorrow they're cold and steel and iron ore. So we'll have a look at those in the morning. But undoubtedly, if the dollar stays where it is, they'll do well when Far East trading opens. The U.S. ten-year Treasury bond yield. Gosh, it was it was four. It was in the, it was in the 420s in the last seven trading mm. days. It's now 3.85 percent. The South African 10-year, startling performance as well, 22 basis points lower to 10.28%. And the Bitcoin price, having been below 16,000 36 hours ago, is currently 17,694, up very slightly in the last 24 hours. Uh, 17,746 now, actually, up half a percent. Okay, so that's pretty good stuff. Now... um, I want to talk to you about one more thing as well. And David, you, I don't know if you know Viv, but David is an accomplished artist or a caricaturist. Uh, he, he sketches <laughs> yes, beautifully and also uh-huh. he collects art. Now, uh-huh. you talk about NFTs and you talk about these alternative investments yeah. like uh, cryptocurrencies. Did you see the auction of Paul Allen, the ex-Microsoft? Mm. Did you see mm. his Sotheby's yeah. art sale last yeah. night in New York? Yeah. yeah. I was staggering. Yeah. I know. It is staggering. And... You know, you've got to be mega, mega wealthy to afford those kind of prices. And, 
I mean, the fact that they actually went on auction and they went at those levels is 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 some. What, what did he raise? One and a half billion dollars. Over a billion, and I think he's got more to sell tonight. Actually, I don't yes, think they could get yes, it get no, it through. But no. what what is what is interesting is that where did he put them all? I know, I remember when he left Microsoft and resigned or something. He bought yeah, a super yacht yeah. and he mucked about on that. Yeah. But he's had yeah. dozens and dozens of pieces, and not just you know hundred thousand yeah. dollar pieces. One, I, I think they, they broke mm. the record for a Van Gogh, something like $117 million. Yeah. There was another one for 150 It was quite remarkable. And the sad thing is, yeah. sorry, Viv, to go on about the art, um, the art theme here, um, but David loves art, uh, yeah. is that the museums can't afford the, those sort of sums of money. So it's gone it's to private, private collectors yeah. and they will take them yeah. away because uh, one thing that uh, Paul yeah. Allen did was he was very willing to lend them to, to, to museums for a yeah. particular exhibition or something, obviously yeah. get them back afterwards and bung them in the vault. But the new private buyers are just going to keep them and just look at them or keep they them in a vault or something. So it's a bit sad. There's tax issues around it. There's mm. tax issues around all of these. And maybe, you know, he might have massive capital, not capital gains, estate duties due and, and so on, and, and one sells them. But if you go around the U.S. and uh, you go into some of the major museums, um, a lot of the collections in those museums uh, are have been donated by, uh, you know, very wealthy people. And I think because of that, they got massive tax benefits. Okay. So that's why you'll see, you know, the Hovelmayers, the, uh, what was the name, uh, Stearns and people like, uh, oh yeah, I've forgotten the name. But, I mean, mm. there are a lot of the uh, Guggenheims and uh, uh, people like that, um, you know, some massive collections, donations there to get some kind of tax relief, um, et cetera. But, I mean, this might have been um, as a result of that, that the family didn't want to keep them and, and uh, you know, selling them off to pay some dues or whatever. So, you know, who knows the private, um, mm. you know, the the, the the private issues around this. But I mean, you, you, this, these are these are big, big numbers, and I mean, these are beautiful pieces um, mm. that he that he's accumulated. But I'm afraid that's beyond my pocket. You know, I'm. <laughs> Both Viv and I weren't <laughs> suggesting yeah. that you had a couple, you had a billion, you no, had 150 million for a, for a Cezanne or something um, like that. No, anyway. But the one was the Surette. Oh uh, yes. Who was a he was a um, an impressionist, a young impressionist, died at a very aged, uh, young age. Didn't he did those dots, you know, lots of little dots and that. And I think that was one of the the prime pieces that was that went on show. It's a very small painting, but beautiful. No, okay. Anyway, uh, a beautiful day on the JSC. Viv, <laughs> we've been boring on about uh, uh, art. Was there anything else that caught your eye since we spoke on Tuesday? Any any little theme that you've identified for yourself? Uh, just a, a word on the art stuff here. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff comes from Asia, especially from China. And the reason being is, of course, you will need to have some way easily storable to get your wealth, you know, out of China or mm. to have some assets out of China. That's why we had that property boom in London. That's why we had the property boom in places like Toronto. It's because these Chinese billionaires, including some guys from the Middle East as well, if you remember what happened when MBS took over Saudi Arabia, uh, you don't want to have all your money in these home countries when things mm. get a bit uh, dodgy. Yeah, but what caught my eye was the uh, Facebook story. Yeah. Uh, last time we talked about it, they announced 11,000 11, uh, you know, uh, layoffs. But do you understand how much Facebook has been growing or better has been growing? The 11,000 layoffs doesn't even get them back to where they were at the end of last year. 
in terms of numbers. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. still a couple of thousand ahead of where they were at the end of last year in terms of total numbers. And that's not, not the only ones. I think we are seeing a big turnaround with regards to uh, you know, uh, this whole tech sector. If Elon Musk gets this whole Twitter thing right, and by cutting 50% of the staff, I wouldn't be surprised if you see something similar happen in places like Facebook, at mm-hmm. uh, you know, Google, uh, because these tend to be such money-generating machines. Uh, you know, they, they've been attracting all this talent from around the world. And in one way, it's negative for these people. But in another way, I mean, we've had some of the smartest minds in the world figuring out how to make you click a button. You know, mm. not building airplanes, not building, you know, a new technology, not doing whatever. Because what Google, Microsoft, Facebook have been doing for the last decade or so, because they have so much money, Amazon as well, and Apple, is they've gone out and hired all the smartest kids from university and, stick, and said, I'll figure out a way to do something with them sometime in the future, but let's just hire them. We have the money, let's just pay them a fortune and let them come sit here. And they've basically been stagnating, trying to, like I said, you know, uh, farm clicks or whatever, as opposed to actually being the brains out there in the world. And hopefully right now we can see this 11,000 return to the workforce, a uh, a new kind of horizon for you know, tech in the world, because all these brains now can have better things to do than get you to basically click on Facebook's icons. I saw an interview on, on an American um, television channel, business channel, and this chap said, "There's been no new products launched in in from, from big tech. The only thing that's yeah. this, it's new is the metaverse, and no one understands the metaverse. And <laughs> unfortunately, it's not going to be something that you normal people use every day. Zuckerberg probably will because he's got nothing else to do apart from watch his wealth go up uh, ten billion here and uh, down twenty billion there. So I think that he's miscalculated." And again, I'm speaking from a position of ignorance because I don't know, I don't understand what the metaverse is. But on the other hand, you've got to look at these big tech stocks in terms of defensive qualities, David. Google's defensive because you use it every day. iPhone, because I use it every day. Amazon, because I use it every day. Okay, it suffered horribly. But on the other hand, I look at the things that I use and I understand and I would would definitely have Facebook right at the bottom. And I'm not paying for Twitter, and we've had this conversation on Tuesday. I'm not going to pay for Twitter. Uh, uh, Lindsay, I think Viv's point is what, what I think will happen is I think these companies, as we were discussing the other day, have come under enormous criticism from the media, from government, and so on. And they have been a bit profligate with their fund, uh, funds, mm. as, you know, hiring people, hoping – that these chaps would sit down at their desk or these on these what are those poofy chairs or what are beanbag chairs and come up with some genius invention or something. But I think they're going to cut back now. I think they're going. I, I think in this kind of market, I think they'll they'll cut back on costs and they can do that pretty easily. And you'll get that fall into the bottom line, you know, even on their uh, present day business models. These are gigantic companies and big big cash generators. So I, I, you know, I, they've come down quite dramatically in terms of their pricing, in terms of PEs and that, and just just watch out for them. I, I, I just got uh, someone said, you know, uh, asked me about, I've invested in, in tech, in big tech, yeah. but uh, I'm not fully, inv- what I mean by that is not everything that I own is, or our clients own are, is tech, you know. I've been moderate in it and covering the big ones only, but um I don't, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't chuck them out. I wouldn't, it wouldn't ignore what they can turn around, you know, if they do focus on getting efficiencies and cutting costs. Okay, so stick with them, but be selective. Sorry, Viv, go ahead. 
I just want to give you like an idea. Facebook, for instance, right, can turn around on a dime if Zuckerberg yeah. just cut out the metaverse because there's such a huge money generated there and it's been growing so well in terms of the numbers of people. So Facebook, all it just requires yeah. is a decision by Zuckerberg to change that metaverse and not even totally ignore it. Spend pretty much what the iPhone yeah. took to create, uh, which was about three or four billion dollars every year on it, and it's fine. People would not would ignore that. But if you looked at what he was saying in that last statement that came out from Meta uh, about how much he planned to spend on the metaverse, people were coming out with assumptions that he was going to spend more on the metaverse than the Apollo space program. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not even joking. For the next decade, right? The, the projection of what they put in there, if you, if you just basically follow those numbers through, was equivalent to putting a person on the boot. It was 10 or 12 times more than basically what it cost to create Boeing's Dreamliner. It would have been the largest private uh, R&D project in history. The only thing rivaling it would have been the Apollo space program. And, and that is why the market looks so negative at it. And, no. and if he could just basically cut that down to a point where, like I said, he's spending three, four billion a year, mm. people would ignore it. They would, it would be nothing because such a massive money generating machine behind Facebook that you would say, okay, go for it. But the numbers that he's putting through, and look, with regards to the metaverse, uh, look, I, I, I can, Im- I know what he's, he's saying. He's saying if you imagine what the perfect uh, your interface is going to be, it's going to be virtual reality. It's been the st- stuff of science fiction for generations. You know what I mean? It's like flight was the stuff of science of science fiction for generations until people finally did it. Uh, we don't know whether or not he's right. If he is right, uh, you know, it's going to be a massive uh, boot because he'll have the VR technology that everyone's going to be spending half their lives basically sitting and watching screens on. You know, uh, I've seen mm-hmm. stuff out there within the range of the very wealthy upper middle class that we see. You know, like a few hundred thousand rods, where you could actually have what is almost a sci-fi experience. But the problem is, is it at a point now that's going to be developed in like the next five years, or is it going to be another 50 to 20 years? Mm-hmm. If it's five years, he's betting right. If it's 20 years, he's betting wrong. But, you know, yeah. it is a bet that he's making. Uh, but I think, because uh, Lodgy is right, he's bored. Uh, every other one of these tech guys, think with Bezos, uh, you know, uh, uh you know, the Sergey Brid and Larry Page, yeah. uh, all of these guys have basically left their, their, their companies, taken their money, bought an island somewhere, got to space, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff, uh, divorced their wives. You know, you see the, the, the trends around there. <laughs> Zuckerberg and Elon Musk, to certain extent, is the only one. And even Elon Musk hasn't basically stayed with his, uh, you know, uh, his actual thing. He's not doing Tesla that much anymore. SpaceX is kind of running on its own. Uh, Zuckerberg is the only kind of guy that's still focused primarily on his you know, company. Uh, and I think to a certain extent, you have those tens of billions, you know, rather try to do something interesting with your life. And this is what he's trying to do. Unfortunately, he's trying to do it with invested money. That's the problem. Um, David, the extent of my knowledge of technology, because I am a Luddite and becoming more of a Luddite as I get older, I want to sit down in front of a nice big screen TV with some good speakers and watch a football match. I want to watch the World yeah. Cup. Well, I don't need now, somebody, because eventually yeah, people will never sleep. Eventually the medical profession yeah. will say, well, you've got the metaverse now. Why do you need to sleep? You've got a drip in your hand. You don't cook a meal anymore. And you watch, <laughs> watch <laughs> eventually no, you become an automaton. You could be on the sideline instead of watching sitting back on a couch. Yeah. You could actually be on the field and, and watch don't want players to be. around you. Well, I know. That's the metaverse. Yeah. Someone kick me. Project yourself there. No, yeah. You know, they'll pass the ball to you as well. Yeah. So. No, no I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, it's too no, much but, of me. But, 
And, and just, just you got, you got yeah. to read it online. The metaverse that those the glasses are so powerful, right? That if you put them on and they show you fall, you will your legs will buckle because it actually <laughs> confuse your brain so much. It'll override your own sense of balance and you'll fall over. I fall yeah. over without yeah. those things anyway. Um, the, the, yeah, amazing. Yeah. Okay, and just one more yeah, thing. You I've got to tell you something here. Please okay, do. Sorry, go. No, go. I, no you I, go. I have to mention this. Amazon is up at the moment 9.9% today. That's big. Let's call it 10. Um, mm. and vi- yeah, call it 10. I'm just trying to think of others that we – Alphabet up 7%. Brilliant. Um, that's the kind of moves we're getting, 6.5% on Microsoft. So there's Apple up 6%. There's huge gains taking place at the moment. So, I, you know, I think a lot of this is short covering. I don't think this is opening up any kind of new positions Good. because I doubt whether the people that I've been listening to for the last six months who have been so negative on the market and are still cautious, and correctly so, I'm not criticizing them, I don't think they've put orders on. So this is very technical or very traders, tra- uh, trader orientated. I think you're quite but right. Massive gain. I haven't seen this. You know, I just have to savor this. Hmm. It's still five hours to go as well. So uh, what you see now on your screen may be very, very different once the, all that short covering has been done. Just one more thing become, before we come to the indices, the JSC indices. You were talking about Jeff Bezos, you know, and, and uh, multi-billionaires being a little bit bored. He ordered a yacht. You've probably heard about it. It's a, it's obviously a, a motor yacht, uh, but it's it, it essentially it's a it, it's a sail um, it, it it's a it's a proper old school sailing boat. Uh, it's got three mm. huge masts. It's cost five hundred million US dollars. It's being built just down the road from me, um, in a in a Dutch shipyard. They're very very good at uh, building yachts. These people. And what they did was they worked it out. I mean, after a little while, they thought the only way we can get it out to sea is to take it through Rotterdam along the Maas River and then off it goes. Unfortunately, the Maas are so high, there's a very historic bridge, a green um, iron bridge in Rotterdam that was quite historic during the war um, and it's, it's, a, it's a national monument. And so Bezos says, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. You dismantle it and then once the yacht has gone through, I'll put it back up again. And they initially said, yeah, that's fine. And then there's these heritage societies saying, no, no, you You won't do that. So it's stuck now. (laughs) It's stuck in the shipyard. So they're going to have to dismantle it themselves, put the masts on another boat and go on and then go somewhere else and stick them back up again. It's massive. It was supposed to be on the sea now in July, August. Don't they think of this before? I can't can't believe they don't think of this before. Well. Uh, I mean, these people are geniuses in terms of, um, designing something. I mean, can you imagine the electronics in something like this? Yeah. Or, or if it's not, uh, and, and, and they can't get it under a bridge. No. Didn't think of Seriously. it. Seriously. No. Okay. Uh, you, you think that's bad? Yeah. So, sorry. Do mm-hmm. you know he spent $42 million building a clock? A what? A clock. A clock. A clock. So he's built a clock, for, a clock for forty-two million dollars. Why? So, the, because the clock is meant to last ten thousand years. He's built a ten thousand-year clock. <laughs> that's useful, right? For forty-two million dollars. <laughs> so I'm just saying that's what you have. That's what happens when you have too much money to spend. At least his ex-wife is actually giving it away to charity. So she's basically <laughs> donated like multiples what he's actually donated yeah. to charity over the since he's been divorced. McKinsey, and she yeah. just, 
Yeah, Mackenzie. Uh, uh, so mm. she's actually trying to do something with the money, but he's he's spending it on basically the stuff you'd ask a five-year-old. What do you want? The biggest boat in the world. Go to space. <laughs> a gigantic clock. <laughs> oh, dear. It's very funny. Yeah, what a corrupting commodity money is if you have too much of it. Okay. Um, Viv, please give us the closing JSC indices, and then, David, you'll come in with the trading volume the, mm. you know, on the JC. But Viv, you go first, please. So I, I don't have that in front of me. Could David do that? Oh, yeah, of course you can. Yeah, sure. So we only got, we got very early gains in the U.S. market. So we were up 1.5%. Uh, gains right across the board. Uh, very, very big gains there. Um, the resource index up 1.6%. Uh, um, I'm trying to think wherever we went, the financials up 1.7%. Banks up 1.3%. And consumer discretionary or the industrials up about 1.9 percent, you know, lifted by most stocks. But um, it it it'll probably pick up. The, the the you know the best performance today were were Nasdaq up four and a half percent. Obviously, that strong rand also acted as a little bit of a, a dampener. Yeah. Um. So I I think we'll probably get the bulk of the gains tomorrow morning if the U.S. markets hold. I think we'll see a much better opening here and stronger, you know, stronger day tomorrow. Okay. I and must point out one thing, though, just mm -hmm. one thing. Tangela, which has been one of the big leaders on our market, has been in a bit of a downturn and coming under pressure, you know, I think on, on concerns about falling coal prices, was down another 5% today. That's quite a lot, And isn't it? it's just mm. one that mm, – it's just one – I look – it's it's I, I, I don't want to discuss it because we're running out of time. But I mean, it's uh, it's it's hard to try and forecast because um, what is causing the selling? Because I think even at these cold prices, they're going to be making a lot of money. So uh, there's either someone big is getting out and just continues to sell, uh, or there might be another story around it. But in the markets that have been pretty tight. Tangela has been giving back some of the big, big gains that it's made this year. Very good. David, what was the value traded on the JSC today, please? Value traded $24 billion with Nasper 7.5. Goldfields has been a big story as well. You know, yeah. I think a huge sigh of relief that this deal is over. But I feel sorry for Chris Griffith because he's got to do something. He's a very ambitious man, but... Uh, the, you know, uh, it made up about 7.4% of the market today. Don't feel sorry for him because yesterday it was up over 21%. 300 million yeah. Yamana is paying for so some breakout fee or, or, or something else. I think he's probably. I think he's completely relieved that he hasn't got this this um, this millstone round his neck. Um, but so that's yeah, fine. Um, and who wants to give me the live Wall Street, please? Anyone? I'll give it to you. I'll give you what. Uh, go, 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 Viv. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, the the SP 500 is currently up just about 4%, 3.92%. Uh, the NASDAQ, as David mentioned, has obviously gone up higher. And that's just because of the fact that, you know, the tech stocks, the growth companies have been hit by more. So they're up about 5.2% uh, at the moment. And so I think that's obviously indicative of. Uh, just how far they've fallen, but they're bouncing back. And the Dow is the lowest uh, riser, let me say. Yes. Just about 2.5% higher, up at 33,323 at the moment. Gentlemen, thank you very much for an entertaining and informative chat. David Shapiro is from Sassman Securities and Viv Govender is from Rand Swiss, both in Johannesburg. And the three of us will be together uh, the week after next. That was the five o'clock shadow.
The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.